why does God command in scripture that vengeance is his and he will repay? Are we robbing God of some type of glory if we exact our own revenge and not wait for him to do it? Stay tuned to find out next in a brand new episode of Gospel of Repentance Ministries. What if I told you that we all have stolen from God? Would you believe me? I can prove it. How do I know that we've stolen from God? It's in the area of vengeance. Yes, it's in the area of vengeance, brothers and sisters. That's how we have stolen from God. And what I mean by that is that we often exact our own revenge on those who have done us wrong. This is what the word of God says in regards to vengeance. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 35 says, God speaking through the prophet Moses. This was near, literally near the end of Moses' life. He was about to die. He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And Paul, the apostle, uh, giving instructions toward the end of the book of Romans, he borrows that language in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, where he says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. In other words, Paul is letting his readers know that we're not to return evil for evil, but we're to overcome evil with good. So what does that mean for us as believers? That means that we must, and I need to emphasize must, we must take the high road. That's the whole idea of turning the other cheek. And of course, I already did a segment on that not too long ago. So, that's what I mean by saying that we have stolen from God because God has specifically told us that vengeance belongs to him. So when we decide to get back at someone that has done us wrong, then we are stealing from God what he has a right to do. God is the Avenger. <laughs> We've all watched the movie, the Marvel a movie which has now become an instant classic, well, the Avengers franchise. And that's why they gave themselves that name because they were avenging the wrongs that were done by their enemies, by their adversaries. You see what I'm saying? By their rivals. So they would avenge the earth. They would avenge their city. They would take back what the enemy has stolen. And that is the role of God and God alone. He is the one that's going to avenge. All right. Let's listen to what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to go to Matthew's Gospel, the fifth chapter. Matthew chapter five. All right. Just give me a moment and I'll get there. Matthew chapter five. This is what it says. He says this. Blessed are you when men shall reproach you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. 
For so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. Now, if you're persecuted like the prophets were for righteousness sake, then you are in excellent company. But listen to the language that Jesus speaks specifically. I want to point something out. He said, blessed are you when men shall reproach you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you. Here's the key word. Falsely for my name's sake. Now, if you're being persecuted and you're being spoken evil of because you've done evil, then you deserve it. But when you are mistreated for doing what's right, here's your reward. He says, rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. Now, if you are willing to endure for the time being insults, persecution, gossip, uh, evil treatment for the kingdom of God's sake, then understand that you're going to inherit a wonderful eternal reward. We have to keep our gaze and our focus heavenward. If we just focus on the here and now and the stresses and the pain and the aggravation and everything that's going on here, the evil, then we will lose heart. We will grow faint and we will not be able to finish our course or run our race and keep the faith, as Paul said at the end of his life in the book of Second Timothy. We have to keep our focus in the right place. And in order for us to do that, we have to meditate constantly, diligently, consistently on God's holy word. All right. Uh, what I want to do now also is I want to travel to the Old Testament and I want to look at some accounts dealing with David. This was when David was king elect, if you'll permit the expression. It was before he was king. He was anointed king by the prophet and judge Samuel. And he is on the run for his life from the current king, uh, King Saul, who knew that David was going to succeed him as king. But of course, Saul didn't want that because he wanted his son, Jonathan, to be his, uh, his rightful heir, not someone who was not of his actual family. Because just by way of ethnicity, Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. So he would have been, he would have been what they call a Benjamite. And David was from the tribe of Judah two different tribes, two different brothers. All right. So anyhow, let's go to first Samuel chapter 24 first, first Samuel chapter 24. This is an opportunity or this was an occasion where David could have killed Saul. But listen to what he says instead. This is what he says. Saul is out to get him. He wants to kill him. He wants to destroy him. By this time, Saul has departed from the Lord. An evil spirit is distressing him. And so he's probably pretty much out of his mind by this time. All right. So here it is. David is a fugitive. He's running after 
Um, and Saul is running after him and it says, and it came to pass, 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse one, when Saul was returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him saying, behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats, verse three. And he came to the sheep coats by the way, where was a cave and Saul went in to cover his feet. Other versions say he went to relieve himself. Now David and his men were abiding in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which Jehovah said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, and thou shalt do to him as it shall seem good unto you. Then David rose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, Jehovah forbid that I should do this thing unto my Lord Jehovah's anointed to put forth my hand against him seeing he is Jehovah's anointed so David checked his men with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul and Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way verse 8 David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul saying my Lord the king and when Saul looked behind him David bowed with his face to the earth and did obeisance and David said Saul wherefore Hearken thou to men's words, saying, Behold, David, seek thy hurt. Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how that Jehovah had delivered to thee into my hand in the cave, and some bade me kill you. But mine eyes spared thee, and I said, I will not put forth my hand against my Lord, for he is Jehovah's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yea, see the skirt of your robe in my hand, for I cut it off the skirt of your robe, and I did not kill you. So there is neither evil nor transgression in my hand, and I have not sinned against thee, though thou hunt after my life to take it. Jehovah judge between me and you, and Jehovah avenge me of thee, but my hand shall not be upon you. And saith the proverb of the ancients, Out of the wicked cometh forth wickedness, but my hand shall not be upon you. Verse 14, After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? Jehovah therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you and see and plead my cause and deliver me out of your hand. All right. So David, after Saul gets up, David talks to Saul, bows down to the earth to pay homage to him and tells him like, why are you chasing after me? You know, um, I had an opportunity to kill you and I didn't do it. In other words, perfect case in point. David didn't exact his own revenge. He's like, you're in God's hands. You're God's anointed and God will decide how you're going to die and how you're going to fall or how you're going to exit out of this earth. That's up to God. It's not up to me. I'm not going to kill you. God has not given me the right or the authority to do that. It is God's in God's timing and in God's decision alone is how you're going to leave this earth. And then there's a Another account where David is on the run from Saul again, and that's in the uh, 26th chapter of 1 Samuel. And I'll read that. It says here that, says here, uh, starting with verse 8, then said Abishai to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, let me smite him 
I pray thee with the spear to the earth at one stroke, and I will not smite him the second time. And David said to Abishai, Destroy him not, for who can put forth his hand against Jehovah's anointed and be guiltless? And David said, As Jehovah lives, Jehovah will smite him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall go down into the battle and perish. Jehovah forbid that I should put forth my hand against Jehovah's anointed. But now, take, I pray thee, the spear that is in his that is at his head and the cruise of water and let us go. So David took the spear and the cruise of water from Saul's head and that got them away and no man saw it nor knew it, neither did any awake for they all were asleep because a deep sleep from Jehovah was fallen upon them. Now, then David went over to the other side and stood on the top of the mountain afar off in a great space between them. And David cried to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner saying, Answer thou not Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Who art thou that thou criest to the king? And David said to Abner, Art thou not a valiant man? And who is like to thee in Israel? Wherefore then hast thou not kept watch over thy lord the king? For there came one of the people in to destroy the king thy lord. This thing is not good that thou hast done. As Jehovah lives, you are worthy to die because you have not kept watch over your lord, Jehovah's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the cruise of water that is that was at his head. And Saul knew David's voice and said, Is this thy voice, my son, David? And David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. And he said, Wherefore doth my lord pursue after a servant? For what have I done? Or what evil is in my hand? And therefore I pray thee, let my lord, the king, hear the words of his servant. If it be Jehovah that hath stirred thee up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it be the children of men, curse be they before Jehovah, for they have driven me out this day, that I should not cleave unto the inheritance of Jehovah, saying, Go, serve other gods. Now therefore let my blood fall to the earth away from the presence of Jehovah, for the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea, as when one does hunt a partridge in the mountains. So I'll stop right there. I read First Samuel chapter 26, verses 8 to 20. So once again, there was an occasion where David had the opportunity to kill Saul, and he didn't do it. My point, once again, he did not exact his own revenge because, as I indicated, God is the avenger. And there's another scripture I want to go to. It's in Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. This is the last one that I will cover. And this is during the end of time, during what is commonly called the Great Tribulation. And so I'm going to read verses 9 to 11. And it says this, And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of them that had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a great voice, saying, How long, O Master, the holy and true, do you not judge and avenge our blood? <laughs> avenge our blood. <laughs> Operative word, avenge. On them that dwell on the earth. And there was given them to each one a white robe and it was said unto them that they should rest for a little while until their fellow servants also and their brethren who should be killed even as they were should have fulfilled their course in other words the souls of people that were serving God and were killed for their testimony John the apostle who is the author of this book he's seen in, in these different visions under the altar the souls of them who have been killed for the testimony of God that they held and they cried out to the Lord says, when are you going to avenge our blood? And it says white robes were given to them. And 
And it was said that they had to wait a little while till their fellow servants and brothers were also killed just like they were for their testimony. So there's a time and a place as when God is going to avenge you know, his people against their against his enemies is what I'm trying to say. So God is the avenger of evil. God is the avenger of his people. And that is why, in short, I wanted to share with you the importance of giving space for God to execute his righteous anger because he's going to do everything perfectly because it's coming from a holy place, a holy being. And when we do things out of usually unrighteous anger, we do them we do them the wrong way. And as we've been commanded in Romans chapter 12, as I just mentioned a moment ago, that we are not to return evil for evil, but we are to overcome evil with good. As the scripture says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. God bless you for tuning in. We'll talk soon.